have things been, sir? Oh, man. Uh, we're in weird times right now. No kidding. Uh, so it's it's been a weird, I guess, what, 10 weeks now almost? Man, uh, it, it's weird how quickly you would, it, like, I would say adapt. I'm, I feel like it's strange as shit still, but I, it's like, I don't know if it feels like it's gone by quick or if it's gone by slow. Does that make sense even? That's a good observation. Does that, that make listen, sense? I'm, I'm in the same boat. Because I, I, so, yeah, I've been working from home for probably about 10 weeks and it has absolutely just flew by. And I'm like, what pandemic? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been good. Um, I can't complain. But uh, luckily, I'm still able to work, um, still provide, still able to put food on my table. Uh, so I'm blessed right now. Yeah. So It's weird because, um, so I, I work from home too. You got your work week. And then when the weekend comes, it's like, is it, it feels weird. Okay, well, I just push away from my desk and I'm still fucking here. Like, it's a yeah. weird kind <laughs> of, is it the weekend though? Like, it's, a, it's weird. And weeks fly by, man. I feel like it was just the weekend, like a day ago, we're here again. Yeah, it, even the day itself flies by, and then you're like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you know, you're not like commuting anywhere, you, you can't go anywhere really, because it's all shut down, at least here in New York. Yeah, um, But it's, it's uh, you, you got to adapt, adapt or die, right? Are you, so how much has your day changed? Like for me, I noticed how much commuting changed shit up for me. Like, you know how much more time in my day I have now that I don't commute anywhere? It's, I, I'm like, holy smokes, man. I'm reading books more often, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm finally doing mobility work I said I would always do. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I have room for that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's been, for me, I, I, it's, I, I, I'm doing my MBA now. Oh. So I, I got into the school that I wanted. Uh, now I'm getting my MBA, so my extra time that I have um, is dedicated to school. So that's my life for the next two years. But luckily, my classes are only on uh, weekends, mm. and um, it doesn't interfere with anything during the week. But I have to have like a set schedule because I have to have my uh, work finished and uh, working out still time with the family and whatnot, so. This couldn't have happened at a better time for you, right? No, no, I was actually, I was actually talking to my dad about that, and it's a blessing in disguise, honestly, because, like you said, commute has cut down. I was commuting roughly, like, you go there, it's like 20, 25 minutes, my work from where I'm at right now, um, but still, 25 minutes there, roughly 25 minutes back, that's you save at least an hour, mm -hmm. um, so that's an hour I get back, and then uh, commuting to and from the gym, that's another 25, 30 minutes, um, so yeah, it's a blessing in disguise in terms of just cutting down on uh, inefficiency, you could say. If you, th so when you say like an hour and a half, and it's like, well, it's not that long, and if I gave everyone an extra hour and a half a day, Oh, you think about, oh, here's an hour Dude. and a half. That's huge. Dude, dog, that's another, that's another workout. That's a study session. Uh, fucking <laughs> that's a really good study session every day. Like, it's huge, man. We got a lot more time. 
Oh, we have plenty of time. That's why I hate when people say I don't have enough time. And it's like, you make time for the things that are important in your life, obviously. Uh, so you have to prioritize, you have to plan better, and just make sure that you're, you're following those guidelines that you set for yourself. How, how did you feel when this shit hit? Um, I know for me, it was like a week before Sheffield. And mm-hmm. um, I remember Corolla Gara, I, I was doing the commentating for the SBD Invitational for Sheffield. For anyone listening who didn't know, I think I mentioned it before, but still. So Corolla Gara, oh, the week before, um, pulled out, released a statement saying she had to pull out. And I remember thinking, like, I was talking to Peter Spence, and we were like, ah, that's kind of shitty, but we could probably get a replacement. Everything's going to be cool. And we just, it was only a week before, and we just didn't have any idea how this shit was going to blow. And um, I remember I was super pumped for SPD Invitational, man. It was going to be so dope. And um, when that got, and, and this is me, I'm, I'm like the commentator, but for like the event to be so fun, and, uh, you know, so for you as, as one of the lifters in the mix and, and obviously one of the favorites to take it, and, and there's for real money on the table. Like, this was actually for real money this time. When that got canceled, because let me tell you, I was, I made the mistake of, I was just talking in the DMs to Amanda Lawrence, and I was like, yeah, fuck, I'm so bitter about SPD Invitational getting canceled. And I was like, ah, shit, totally forgot you were in the mix for like 30K. And I was like, oh, I should be complaining to you. You're like, I don't, I don't want to hear it, you know. So, um, how was that? What was your? What were you like when you're like, ah, oh, shit, man, really? Well, all right. So leading into the event, I was uh, battling an injury, so my spirits were not very high, honestly. Um, I was dealing with something called Pedaza, which is just a sports hernia. And I had someone locally, uh, they were able to rehab me back uh, pretty close to 85, 80 to 85% leading into the Sheffield. So even though my spirits were down the entire prep, I was still somewhat there, quote unquote, in terms of like being ready and, and not performing to my highest standard, but certainly performing. Um, so it was shitty that they canceled it 100%. Um, but I had mixed feelings about it because when I go into a competition, I want to know that I have, I'm 100% and I'm ready to go in and give it my all and that the competitors against me have the full Taylor Atwood on the platform. Because I don't ever want to step onto a platform and if I ever lose, to say I lost because I was either A, injured, or there were other outside forces. Um, that's not what I do. And the strength guys with Jason, with Ben, um, we hold ourselves to that standard. And you can see from the track record that we our main goal is to go in there nine for nine and perform to the highest standard possible. So going into the Sheffield, it was like, okay, am I going to be able to uphold that standard, as Matt Gary would say? And and he was a pioneer for that. Like, he truly changed that mentality for us as a group. Um, And and I just didn't know if I could. So it was a tough situation, but when I found out that it was canceled, hell yeah, I was pissed. I was like, damn, because I was starting to really get into a groove 
I was feeling myself. Uh, I started hitting some singles that I normally wouldn't have been able to hit maybe like a month ago uh, before the, the invitation or so. Yeah, it was it was sad. Um, it was it, it was just a mix of emotions because everything was kind of with the pandemic kind of just you didn't know what was going on. So you were just sliding on ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't know when it was going to crack. So once they officially like said, OK, this is done, because I was messaging Pete the entire time, like, hey, UK, is UK going to shut down? Like, you don't know what was going to happen. And then Trump, you didn't know what Trump was going to do. So it was just a mix of emotions at the time. Um, but yeah, I messaged, or Amanda did message me. She, she DM'd me. It was like, yo, how do you feel about this? And I was like, I'm pissed. I was like, we had a chance. Because even not at 100%, I still would have been able to place probably top three. Oh, I uh, assume, yeah. We would have been uh, the, the dog, Russ, uh, would have been the, the pit bull, uh, Brett Gibbs and potentially me, um, and, and those two battling for a first. So I, I was like, I'm, I'm happy with whatever. I'm still getting paid. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even not even not 100%, I'm still getting paid. So, um, And it was an all-expense-paid um, trip, essentially. I was going out there to London to hang out and uh, have a good time. It was just supposed to be – I felt so relaxed going into this like there was no pressure um because as much as i wanted to perform well it still wasn't like a world's it wasn't a nationals it was an invitational you go there to have fun you have a good time with the people around you now the dog in me the competitor in me is like all right let's go win this thing but again i wasn't 100 percent. if i was 100 percent, mentality would have been maybe a little different but um I, I was just ready to go just have fun. It, it was such a just relaxed atmosphere leading into this Sheffield. Um, and it just wasn't meant to be. It's funny how, first off, when you said you had the dog, the pit bull, and then I thought you were going to say the goat. I swear to God, I thought you were, le- I thought you were setting yourself up. I thought I was like, oh, that's a sound bite. I feel a sound like coming. <laughs> but, uh, people, people already they they think that I'm uh, I'm cocky, I'm I'm overconfident, and uh, look if if you don't truly know me and you don't hang out with me on a daily basis, yeah, okay, I can probably come off like that. Um, but it's the competitor in me. Uh, and after look, you just messaged me about the docu series, uh, the last. Last Dance with the GOAT, the actual GOAT, uh, MJ, um, there's a certain mentality that you have to have when you're at a certain level. And whether the audience believes it or not, I'm at that level in powerlifting. I have to have that mentality. I have to have the, the killer instinct to, and, and it's just natural to me. It doesn't. I don't have to work for it. It's just who I am. Um, it's always been there. And if you don't like it and you don't like the way I come off, I'm not sorry. <laughs> uh, because if I was, I wouldn't be a six-time national champion. I wouldn't be a two-time world champion. So it, you can call me whatever you want, but that's the mentality you have to have. And a lot of the up-and-coming lifters, um, 
I feel like they're very insecure with themselves. And that's why a lot of us even, because I was insecure with myself when I was younger. And lifting weights gave me so much more motivation and, and so much more confidence in myself uh, because I was always the runt, always. I'm five six, and growing up, I, I wasn't any taller. I haven't grown since I was probably <laughs> 13 years old. Um, so I've always been the runt of the group, and I've always had to have that chip on my shoulder. And it's just, it, it's instilled in me, it's in my DNA. So you just, you have to accept it or not. You either rock with Team Atwood or you don't. So it's, it is what it is. It's true that, like, I mean, I, I read tons of autobiographies on, like, athletes. And, um, I mean, everything from, like, boxers to tennis players to hockey players, basketball, whatever. <clears throat> and they'll tell you straight up. Like, Michael Jordan will tell you. Let's keep with Michael Jordan as an, as an example. You'll like, you know, when I'm on the court doing my thing. But, and, and you, you probably, if we were just to hang out and kick it, sure. But if you were with me in terms of training or talking basketball in my environment, and you weren't just a fan watching, but you seen, like, you got close. Like, you saw in some of the interviews when he was going at guys in training and shit. He's like, you're, you're not going to like me. You're not going to like what you see. But he's like, the same guy who produces six championships in the 90s. And the same guy, like, you can't have, you can't have both ways. You, can't, you want both. You want just easygoing, humble, happy-go-lucky. He's like, but that same guy doesn't have that drive. You have to have that inner belief. I tell you what, if... Ali said it. He's like, if I fucking went into an interview and, and was trying to be humble, I don't know who's the greatest. I don't know. Maybe I'll win. Maybe I won't. He's like, I'd be fucking lying. I'd be faking. <laughs> He's like, I can't. Especially, I think, I think it's more if you're in an individual single sport like, like Ali was and yourself because you only have you. You can't, you can't pass the ball to a teammate or say, well, it's a team effort. Like, like you got your supporters, but when it comes time to daytime, you either pulled through or you didn't. You either let your team down or you rose to the occasion. If you don't absolutely believe, you're in trouble. And if you don't mm -hmm. just say, if you don't be honest, you're, you're lying. And Ali was like, you don't want me to lie. He's like, I think I'm the greatest and that's why I could do what I do. You can't have both. Sorry. I'm sorry. It is what it yeah. is. And some dudes, I, I like how you said, you could recognize that some dudes aren't there yet. They don't have the confidence yet because they mm -hmm. don't have experience breeds confidence you don't know until you start winning winning national titles winning world titles and you you for real know i really am the man so when you talk if you were to say that kind of stuff and you really haven't won yet you've never won any big showdowns you haven't been that guy you might you being the guy who's been there talking big before you won thinking and ali said it too he's like hey man i said it before i even proved it because you got to mm -hmm. get momentum respect i'm not shit talking i'm just saying he's like I said it before I believed it, and then I started believing it after it happened. But you yourself, who's on that stage of already being the GOAT 74, can look back and be like, my friends, some of the younger guys, I see the trend you're on. You're on the upswing. You don't fully believe it yet, though. And I know you don't because I was there. And, and you can't because you haven't, you haven't done those things yet. And, 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 you know, and that's like, like you were saying, to, to expand on what you're saying, where it's like, I recognize 
you know, ah, but you haven't, you don't really fully believe it. Like, do look, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but can you tell when you see certain things, how do you take it when you're like, okay, whatever. Do you just leave it alone? Like, all right, I, I recognize it because I've been there before. It is what it is, right? <laughs> so, all right, Ryan, I'll, I'll, I'll bite. So, <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we, I, I, I say we. So, I have a great team around me. And to get to where I'm at right now, it is an individual sport. I had to go out on the platform and perform individually. But underneath that surface, it's like the glacier analogy. Like you see the, the tip out of the, off, out of the water, but underneath there is a team supporting me and has helped me get to where I'm at today. So I am eternally grateful and indebted into those people that have supported me over the years. And it's taken me some hardships um, over those years to really have this confidence. And I, I attribute that kind of resilience and, and perseverance to football because I've been able to kind of just get through um, a loss and then immediately go out the next week and I have to go out to battle again against someone else. So even if I lost, it was like, all right, I know in my heart of hearts that I was the better guy, just not on that day. Mm. And that's powerlifting. It doesn't matter who, who's the strongest leading into the competition. It's who's the strongest on the day of the competition. So you can have that mentality of, fuck, I could have beat him. I could have beat him. Could have, should have, would have. But you didn't. And guess who's standing on the podium, number one. So it's been... It's been, a, it's been a journey to get to this point. So when I see these guys, the, and, I, and they're still kids, man, honestly, because uh, I'm, I'm a grown kid. I'm still a kid myself. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't, I don't consider myself that much older than them or age or anything. Listen, we're all strong as fuck in our, our respective weight classes. Um, but when I see someone talking, I've gotten to a point in my life where I don't need to engage. I'll nibble and I'll bite, and, and they may break through that barrier to that within for a slight second, and I'll take a jab, and I'll, I'll talk some shit back. But where I'm at today, I just don't have the energy or time to give it. And <laughs> when I think about when I was their age, now if I was their age, man, you better fucking believe I would be just all over social media, probably still talking shit. Like, and this is what I got upset about uh, when the whole Ricky Cho thing was going down was I don't want any part of it because I just, right now in my life, where I'm at, the NBA, professionally, I just don't have time to give that. And I don't want to build a reputation around the Taylor Atwood brand that is that uh, toxic at times. I think it's necessary, and I've heard you speak about it too in terms of, I, I think banter is 100% needed in any sport. Um, <clears throat> but... I just personally, where I'm at again today in my life, I just don't want to give it the time or day because I have so much more energy that I need to give to other things. But again, 
if I was their age and I wasn't where I'm at professionally, and I, I was the six-time national champion still, and they were still nipping at my heels, I would 100% be all in. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the dog in me. And you don't, I don't think you understand how hard it is to bite my tongue at times because I immediately want to clap back. <laughs> and I have so much arsenal, they don't even fucking have a clue. Like, this, oh my God. So when they, when they, when they start talking, I don't need to clap back because one, I am the, I am the guy. So what do I need to engage with them for? I'm just giving them a pedestal to stand on. Um, and two, like when people say, oh, I thought you liked the banter and I thought you liked this and that and you played football. I played football and I was going out to literally battle every week with men, grown ass men. I don't think people, if you've never played a contact sport, you don't know what I'm talking about. You've only been powerlifting. You have to get into a certain mental state to be able to handle a pounding on a play-by-play -play basis. And given that I was only at the time probably five, six, 180 pounds soaking wet, I'm going up against guys, linebackers, I was a running back, I was the starter for all four years at my college, played in professional football in the Canadian Football League. I'm going up against guys that are six foot, six, six, 250 plus pounds, solid fucking muscle. You don't think you have to mentally get to a certain state to say, I have to go out to battle with these guys because if my mind is not in that state, they are going to destroy the shit out of me. Mm. So I, and, and in football and in, in combat sports, even MMA, boxing, there is a certain edge. I remember a, a sound bit from Mike Tyson. I don't know if it was Buster Douglas or who it was he was fighting at the time, but he, like, you talk about having a mental edge over someone. When they were getting ready to, uh, the, the ref comes, they're in the middle of the ring, they're looking at each other in the eyes, and Mike Tyson, he wasn't looking, he wasn't backing down, he's looking at him right in his eyes, looking at him right in his eyes. And he's like, as soon as I saw his eyes turn one bit, he's like, fight was over. He's like, I had him. And, I, and that was his mentality. It was like, uh, he was, he's such an alpha male that he sensed the fear just breaking eye contact. So there are certain things where you don't even have to say anything because you just understand um, where you're at on the food chain. And that's where I'm at. And I've earned my spot, right? Uh, it's not like I'm just talking shit to talk shit. I have earned the right, me, Taylor Atwood, earned the right to talk shit if I want to. No one else has. And I understand that the banter is necessary and needed to gain some hype. But when you don't have any clout or any uh, anything to back up that shit, it's like, why even give it the time of day? Now, if Russ was coming at me or Brett Gibbs was coming at me, then it's like, oh, oh, okay. Um, now, I, I, I think Russ, again, is a dog. He, he's a... He, yeah, he, he's, he's on that mentality as well. He's got that football mentality, which I love. Um, Brett Gibbs, 
no no shade to Brett. Brett is a he's been a phenomenal lifter over his career, uh, powerlifting career, but um, he's kind of in a different mindset now. I don't know if he has that mental. Well, for, for a minute, Liddy get the Sheffield. It's funny. I'm glad you brought him up because remember you guys did a little back and forth, but it was um. I could tell right off the bat, because you guys, like, obviously had that virtual beers together, whatever. I, yeah. knew it, I knew it wasn't, like, it was different, because there's two OGs at the top who were just, that's when it actually was playful banter. It's like, hey, fuck it, let's hype this thing up a little bit, knowing that you could literally have beers at night and be like, whatever the shit. So it was a little different, but there was a respect thing there. Well, fu- funny story. So leading into the Sheffield, I messaged Brett. I'll give you guys the backstory behind it. Okay. I messaged Brett because I saw him training on like pound plates and bumper plates. And I, honestly, from a guy that didn't have bumper uh, kilo plates either um, years ago, I thought it truly affected my performance once I showed up to a meet and I had to perform on kilo plates versus pound plates or bumper plates. So I wanted to get his perspective. I was like, yo, I see you training on uh bumper plates and shit like what's going on how do you think it affects your performance <laughs> no be honest <laughs> be honest what because you're leading at the sheffield when you said this and you <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it, it didn't come from any bad ill tent or anything like that it was just <laughs> i was genuinely questioning hey, are you gonna are you gonna be able to train on kilo plates and why are you training on bumper plates? And were you also like, and you're looking a little chubby. Are you going to make 83? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you, fair question. Fair question. Honest, coming from the honesty nah, of my heart. He, Brett, man, I remember standing next to him at uh, the 2015 Arnold, the 2016 Arnold. And him and I are like almost neck uh, height-wise, we're right on the same page. But he's obviously fucking 15, 20 pounds heavier than me. So he's got a lot more muscle mass. And I'm standing next to him, and we took a picture, and I'm looking at his legs next to mine, and I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. Like cylinders. Like, oh, my God. I And I thought I had big legs. Um, and and I, next to Russ, Russ is just a fucking freak. But... Like, yeah, I was standing next to him, and given that him and I are the same height and, and pretty much same, like, almost build, uh, for him to have that much more muscle mass on his legs, I'm like, damn. Okay. So respect, right? Yeah, respect. I, I see you. Um, I see you. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so I, I, I was just asking him, like, do you think it is, it's going to affect your performance? And maybe I'm throwing a little, little jabs at him. Like, I'm I'm training on kilo plates. Like, <laughs> what up? <laughs> uh, but no, it, it was it was honestly I was I was just wondering like, are you going to be able to train on kilo plates, and do you think it's going to affect your performance? Um, and he came back and he was nice about it. He's like, you know, in New Zealand, I don't have access to kilo plates and this and that. So he gave me a straight up answer. But then he posted that. Instagram story, oh. and I wasn't, I had no idea what uh, the band, I don't even know what he said. Um, he the did, Ready Boy or something? No, so so it's a famous quote. Um, Yo, Yoel Romero from the USC has a, he made it famous. It's like a hashtag, it's famous now. 
It's it, before a match. The, Yoel Romero is 43 years old, fucking diced up, jacked. Like, he's Cuban, and the dude looks like he's 25. Just fucking freak genetics. He's in the Olympics 20 years ago, late 90s. He was in the Damn. Olympics, um, and he's, he's, he fights, like, he just fought for the world title, and it was a flip them decision. Who knows? They gave it to the champ, but... So anyways, he's an older cat. So whenever he, mm-hmm. fights, whenever he fights somebody, he made it famous in the stare down, like, because nobody wants to fight Yoel Romero because he's like a monster. <laughs> they're, all, they're all afraid of him, right? So in, in the stare down before the match, they have to stare down the night before, and he stares the guy down, and he always says, see you soon, boy. Yeah, and he smiles. And, yeah. and, and the other dudes, when a dude like, I'll send you a picture of Yoel, when, he's, when he finally sees you face-to-face, no social media, no nothing, nose-to-nose to stare down. When this dude is staring you down and says that to you, and, and he says, boy, you know, you could turn it on him, call him an old man and all the rest of it in the press conferences and social media. When you see him face-to-face and he suns you like that, you, <laughs> you and, then, and, and dude, his knockouts are vicious. So it's very intimidating. And it became famous because he's Cuban. He's got a thick accent. So it became yeah. like a famous whatever okay, quote okay. and and um i know brett loves ufc because me and brett talk about ufc when a big match comes up <clears throat> so he threw like the famous i knew you i knew you probably would have caught the famous quote i was like that's yeah a, i didn't understand it i mean i follow yeah. ufc uh but not to that extent because you would be like dog we're like the same age and shit yeah like, <laughs> you're like you what you can't sign me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're like that doesn't make sense <laughs> um no, but that that was pretty much it. Is I reached out to him, asked him why he was training on pound plates or t- uh, bumper plates. Then he caught back and said, "See you soon, boy." And it was all friendly banter. Uh, we were even talking a little shit uh, here and there on the the live that we went on on Instagram. Uh, kept throwing a little jab here and there, but it's all a lot of fun. Him and I, we go back, way back. Um, damn, twenty. Yeah, 2015. So him and him and I, like we uh, we had nothing but respect for each other. Hmm. It, it, you know what I, I want to say too? It is I know what you mean. Where, like I I preach this, so I I I get what you mean. Everyone's got a role. So when it comes to this banter back and forth, and you're like, look, when I was young on the come up, and you're trying to make something happen, you're trying to make yourself believe, make your believers believe, and make some momentum, and and um, obviously. The Battle of 74 is at U.S. Raw Nats last year. A lot of people said, look, at Taylor won by a pretty sizable margin. It wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't the big close showdown. However, it, like so many people watched it. Why did they watch it? Because all the banter back and forth. You guys were on the same, yeah. podca- you guys were on the same podcast together doing your thing. Like it, was, um, it worked. You guys both pitched in and sold the product. And it was, it still delivered, not necessarily competitive with your, yourself. There's a bit of a spread, but amongst second, third, fourth, very tight. So it was entertaining mm-hmm. anyways. Um, but I know what you mean where, and this is what I tell people, you don't always have to respond. As a matter of fact, if you're much bigger in terms of clout, reputation, and what you've achieved, it's more powerful to not to be unreachable. It's not the worst thing to be like, with all due respect, you can't reach me. You, gotta, you, you have to go at the guys your level. You can have a rivalry with this guy. You can have a rivalry with that guy. I'm out of reach for you right now. 
I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm out of reach. You know, you play the Yoel Romero. You know, that's, what, that's, how you, that's how you sun somebody and be like, it's fun in games. It's fun in games until it's the weigh-in and you guys are all weighing in and you're like, see you soon, boy. And you grab your, <laughs> and, and you grab your fucking bag and, and walk into the warm-up room, right? It's different. So, um, yeah, I mean, everyone's got the role and it's true. Every now and then, you clap back with a jab and you have some good ones and it's pretty funny. And, um, and <laughs> Ryan, I got, I, I have so much arsenal. So, like, so it, I know you mean where you're like, ah, I want to tell somebody because I got some good stuff. <laughs> some of these are good. Some of these are good. I, I don't got time to do it all day, but yeah, I know you mean where it, it is fun. Sometimes it is funny. And I think some of these dudes, even some of them will throw a jab and if you clap back, they don't go back and forth all day. They're like, ah, fuck it, we'll just leave it there. That's fine. I don't need the last word, which I like too. Some people, some people don't accept, wow, that clap back was mad strong, and they try to get another one back in, but it's like, nah, just leave it though. Fuck it. You don't have to win every, every clap. You know, it's just whatever. Just when, when you start leaving it, it also shows maturity on their part where they're like, well, I guess Taylor got the last word there. We'll just leave it there. <laughs> that's, that's okay. You know, some people, some people are like, oh, let me get, let me come back with something. Nah, fuck, just leave it, leave it alone right there. Yeah, I'm, and look, I'm, I'm all for, uh, I'm all for competitiveness and certain things. Like I, I watched again the the docu series with Michael Jordan and saw what he did in terms of how he treated his teammates. Um, going back to that conversation earlier, ask Jason and Ben at twenty. Seven, yeah, 2017 world. Did you punch Jason? No, 2018 world in Canada. You punched Jason. Just like Snicker. <laughs> you punched him in his mouth. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you can use that as a sound bit there. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, there's a, when I'm in a competition and I feel that I'm a lot stronger or my voice isn't being heard, um, or the stakes are high, even at 2019 Nationals, um, I voice my opinion very loudly. Uh, I, I am, again, the competitor in me just doesn't stand for losing. I hate it. I hate losing more than I like winning. Mm. And it's, it, there, there's two different people, right? There's the person that hates to lose or the person that loves to win. I hate losing. And I'm going to do everything in my power to continue to not lose. Not to win. I don't want to win. I just don't want to lose. Mm. Uh, so when I have a, a guy that is being too conservative, that I feel is being too conservative, um, and my voice isn't being heard, I'm going to let you know about it. And I let Ben and Jason know about it. <laughs> And uh, there were just, and look, you're never going to be perfect. I don't care if you even think that you had a perfect day. There's something in the back room of a competition that something goes wrong. It's, it, and you're never 100% on, like you're on point. So there's just things that you can just build upon in the next competition. Okay, this worked very well. Let's continue to do this. This is what didn't work very well. Let's try to work on this. So we, as a team, collectively, 
we reflect on the entire competition. Like, damn, I'm giving away my trade secrets. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we and again, this comes with maturity. This comes with a lot of talk. And and look, I consider myself. Uh, I again, I hold myself to a high standard um, in in every aspect of my life. And I'm making sure that the torch, when I pass it, that it's going to also be held to a certain standard. Like, the boys are coming in with their waves looking fresh. I had my hair right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that these dudes are groomed. Making sure <laughs> Literally and figuratively. I, yeah, literally, figuratively. Emo- emotionally, make, spiritually. Get, get everything. On the, get, yeah. Dude, get, get on a different mindset. Get on a different level. Um, you got to raise, you got to continue to raise that bar. And that's what Michael Jordan did. And I keep going back to Michael Jordan because it's just so relevant. But a lot of people heard about the asshole that he was, but they didn't get to see it. And now we got, we got to see it. And the, the rumors were true. Um, he was an asshole. He was a dick. He was that. He was this. Well, really, was he? Or were your standards just not? To where he was and he knew where the standard needed to be and he wanted you to rise to it so whether he sure he probably could have chose a different method than being a dickhead but it also riled you up emotionally to get to a level to where all right i see where you're coming from mj i see let's go win this thing i i I, yeah so you go ahead no, no, no. That, that, that's 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 where I was heading with that. Yeah, I mean, um, a couple things. I, I love the and that, first off that that documentary was absolute fire. I love yeah. that documentary, yeah. dude. It was fire. So yeah, I, let's let's use that as an example. But it's true because you're you're carving out a dynasty yourself, and um, and there are some parallels there. One of the, a couple of things. So yeah, he one of the things he actually said was the same where initially it was the thrill of winning, and he was like, oh fucking like winning was. You know, when he first won, when, when, when he's trying to get over the hump against, I think it was the, the Pistons, and initially he couldn't get over that hump, lost, yeah. a couple, lost a couple times in championships, and then once he broke through and started winning the championships, dynasties started happening. Uh, and parallels with yourself there as well, going into, you'd win nationals, so you made it deep, we'll call that the championship rounds, but didn't seize the worlds yet, and then and we'll, um, our boy from uh, Norway would be the Pistons. Initially, you didn't yeah. beat him. And then when you finally beat him, and then it was like, eventually, you put the spread, and he just couldn't beat you. And the same yeah. thing with the Pistons, with Jordan, where initially, he was like, I wasn't ready yet, I was, but I was, I was deep, but I wasn't ready yet. And then eventually, it became, it just, the world's reversed, and then the rest of the world's like, shit. Um, but he also said, so, so when you first won, you first start winning, the thrill is winning. And then afterwards, it became... A little bit emotionally and mentally draining because after he would win, he was like, I wasn't happy I won. I was relieved I didn't lose. Mm-hmm. And that's that's in around kind of like what you're saying. And he's like, it was around there when he left to do baseball and took a little of a bit of a hiatus. Now it's a little different because powerlifting is like two to three competitions a year, so it's not quite maybe as mentally draining like that if you're just playing not to lose all the time, but but it is. You're it, meant. You're it, it, maybe not the competition, but training. You're yeah. fucking training four oh, or five yeah. days a week. Yeah. No. No off season. So. So. Do you feel at that point is when he was like, I needed a reset and I need to step back a minute, and then he came back 
wearing that four or five. You know, the Jay-Z quote, don't make me come back. <laughs> don't make me come back like Jordan wearing the four or five. And, um, and then went back to 23 and continued to dynasty. But do you ever feel sometimes, because you are, no matter how many colorful characters enter the, enter the 74, and there's plenty, and, and you know, they, they bring a lot of appeal, you're the consistent, you're the bridge from previous to present, and, and you're, you're the guy who's consistently at the top. And, um, and, and, you know, winning isn't so much it as opposed to just not losing, so it feels different. It's more of a relief than celebration. I'm sure there's celebration too, but you know what I mean where, so are, do you ever get to a point where you're like, fuck, man, I don't know. I don't know if it still feels the same. If I'm taking away from it the same way I, I took away from it before. And if you start being like, maybe I might take a hiatus for a little bit and then and maybe come back in the future or maybe not. Yeah, that's certainly something that's entered my mind. Um, given that, look, we wouldn't even be talking about 800 if it <laughs> it wasn't for me, to be honest. And again, if, if, if you're just hearing this like, oh, Terry's cocky. No, it's not. It's the fucking truth. It's the fact. Um, who was the first Ryan to break uh, 750? <laughs> who, was the first, who was the first to squat 600? Um, so it, it's like, all right, there's so many things that, uh, that I've, I've accomplished in my powerlifting career where, again, I, I feel like I don't have to talk because my resume speaks for itself, right? And I, I just, there's, there's, a, there's a moment where there's sometimes I, I just, man, I don't want to do this anymore I, I, because I'm just beat, I'm beat to shit in terms of physical, mental, time, uh, it's just, I've been doing it for, what, six years now? And that's not a lot. Six years is nothing. Uh, Brett Gibbs has been doing it for, I think, like 15 years or something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but you've been at the top. Years. You've been at the top consistently the whole time. Though I feel like it's different. It is. So it's I was, just about, I was right. just about to get to that. So... It's completely different when you're constantly at, excuse me, when you're constantly at the top, and you're trying to maintain that that pedestal and, and maintain the number one spot because that's that's where we're at. And I won't again. My standard is I won't take less than a hundred and ten percent from anyone. So that includes myself. And it's it's a. Uh, it's been just draining. It really has, because I'm constantly just trying to maintain that fire. It's almost in the documentary where uh, someone says hello to Mike, and Mike is like, "Oh, you wanna? You, you said hello to me? Oh, it's done, done. Oh. Going on the court. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, well, you mean another player? To, another yeah, player? another player. Yeah. Right. Another player saying something to him, and he takes it like. You're He's weak. making shit up, yeah, yeah in yeah. his head to, to go out and destroy this guy. So it's it's just trying to find those little things. That, I mean, these kids are out in the field of fire. I don't think they understand what they're actually doing. But um, like, you guys need to read the Art of War. That would be a, a suggestion of mine. But anyway, um, when I get into the arena in that aspect. Um, it's just, it's a different mindset. It's a different mindset and it's very draining. 
Um, but I, I continue to do it because it, like, I truly have a passion for it. Um, it's starting to somewhat feel like a job at times because it's like, oh, fuck, now I have to go to the gym. I, I got to train. I got a four by eight on squat bench dead. Or <laughs> like, fuck, here we go. It's going to kill me. I'll throw up after a training session. I'll be sore for three days. I have to maintain my weight. I can't do this. I can't do that. And there's just so many restrictions where it's like, I just want to live a normal life. Like, you, you look at Michael in the um, documentary, and he's like, you know, you've reached that point where you just don't want to do this. It's like, I'm there. I am there. I'm not there yet, personally. Um, but, yeah, it's always crossing my mind uh, because I just have so many things outside of powerlifting uh, going on that I'm successful at and, and doing well in uh, from a professional standpoint. And there's certain things where... I don't want to challenge myself physically anymore. I want to challenge myself mentally. So that's why I'm doing the NBA. Uh, I just need a different um, outlet. And sometimes powerlifting is not that outlet anymore. Like I'll, I'll even go snowboarding in the winter. I'll go hiking in the summer. Like there's certain things I need to just get my mind off of powerlifting in order to continue to stay at the level that I need to stay at and compete. Yeah, it's uh, that's totally fair. I mean, I, another now another person who I mean, this is this is common. This isn't just Jordan, but um, thrown back to USC, George St. Pierre. When he left as the welterweight champion, he straight up said, the he echoed exactly what Michael was saying in terms of the pressure to just maintain and be number one. And St. Pierre was the champ. In a row, a, a set of contenders would come, and he'd beat them all. And then a new wave came, new guys. And then he beat them. And then he had to go back and rematch the first wave because, oh, they got themselves back up to snuff. But he was constantly number one, where he's constantly no longer just the thrill of winning, but the pressure of not losing. And, um, and he walked away. And he, was, he also, at the top of his game, was like, I retire, man. I, I just, it's, it's, it's lost. It's fun. It was fun initially. Lost is fun. Jordan did the same. However, here's what they both did, both Jordan and St. Pierre, they left because they thought, I don't think I want to do this anymore. It's lost. It's fun. But once they stepped away and were normal, because you're saying, like, ah, wouldn't it be cool <laughs> to be normal? Both of them came back and were like, you know what? And Jordan, at the end of the last day, you, have you seen the end of the last dance? Well, this isn't a big spoiler. Um, he said, he's like, I would have came back for another season if they didn't disband. Oh, yeah. And, and so having said that, once they left, and we're normal because you're going to be normal the rest of your life after you retire. Once they left, and they were like, they were like, ah, shit. They both came back, and they both won again too, by the way. But um, so it's an interesting. Uh, Andre Agassi has an amazing autobiography where he's like, it becomes a fucking love hate. Like, like when it becomes one of those, I love it, I hate it, I I leave, I need it again. You know, it's it's like it's like it's like a mistress. You can't fucking cut ties. You're like, I don't. I, it's it, to, uh, how do I quit you? <laughs> That's the Brokeback Mountain. Now there's a sound bite. It's it's a it's a gay relationship. Okay, it's a gay cowboy relationship. How do I quit you? But um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh my god! I know Brokeback Mountain. I didn't know that was one of the quotes though. It is, bro. It is, bro. Now now there's a sound bite for you. 
But uh, it's tough. I know you're me. And, and if you leave while in your prime, you can't go back. Like if you're too old and you look back and like, fuck me. I don't, you just don't want regrets, right? And, and maybe that's one factor. And maybe the boys talking shit helps you stay motivated like Jordan where he's like, okay. Yeah, look, I don't even need their motivation at this point. It's, again, just adding fuel to the fire. Um, and it's it's so cool that we get to even do this uh, over the, the internet. And we have a media outlet now that can instantly go to our niche audience. Um, whereas before with Jordan, it, it was just whatever you caught at, in the news conference, that's all you got. Um, and the reason I say that is because you're going to post this. It's going to go to those guys. They're going to listen to it and potentially spark something within them. Who knows? Mm. Uh, but for me, um, I don't necessarily need them for motivation. They're certainly a, a motivating factor, 100%, because they're, they're, <laughs> they're strong fuckers. And I know personally that Again, Ryan, if I'm not able to give something 110%, I don't want to do it. And the reason is because I hate losing. I don't want to lose. And if I know that I'm not giving it my all and everything and I haven't done everything in my power to make sure I'm on top, then I don't think I need to be in that, whatever it is that it may be that I'm trying to win. And there's just been times where I've been dieting. I've had to, I want to hang out with friends. I want to go and have a good time. I don't want to have to worry. I had to put trips on hold. I had to, I have to constantly plan my schedule around powerlifting. I have to make sure there's a gym wherever I'm going. There's just so many things where it's like, fuck, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I, I just want to be a normal human being and just go and have a good time on my trip and not worry about diet, not worry about uh, how much sleep I'm getting. I want to go out all night and drink and have a good time. And there's just certain things where it's like, fuck, I just, I do. I, I want to have a normal life. This upholding the standard is fucking hard. And... It always makes it worth it. That's why at every powerlifting meet, I go, I watch, and I cheer on every powerlifter because I know the sacrifice that it's take, taken them to get to the point where they're at on that platform. And anyone that from the outside looking in, they don't know. They don't. They weren't there every day in the gym or understanding the outside factors or whatever it is that may be. Um, that has gotten that powerlifter on the platform. A lot of the, the external people don't understand that, the audience. And that's what I think you're doing a great job of is kind of bringing them into our world and letting people know. Start cheering them on. Give, give the audience something that they can relate to because a lot of people can't relate to this. And I think that's where we need to kind of grow as a sport. But... I cheer on everyone. I know what it's take, taking to get to a certain point. And when everybody kind of says, oh, it's just powerlifting, it's just this, it's like they've never been dedicated to something in their life then. Yeah. Because if they're just saying that it's a it's just powerlifting, it's not just powerlifting. It's not just weightlifting. 
you don't understand how complex this thing can really get. We make it look easy once we're on the platform, but that's our job. We're supposed to make it look easy. Usain Bolt, he looked like he was just gliding on the track when he broke the world record. He wasn't like scrambling, running down the track. He made it look effortless. That's what we're supposed to do as powerlifters when we're on the platform. We compete. Everyone's like, you made that look so easy. Good. I did my job. So that's where like, I need to make sure that I am making this effortless, but also still able to maintain that standard to make it look effortless. And if, it, if I can't do that, that's when I'll say I'm done. You know, it's, I'm, I've said this before on podcasts, and, and this might be a bit of a difference. I'll, I'll let you speak on it, but people might not know in your camp what goes into it. And this is, I've seen this in different sports as well. Like, for instance, when, when MMA at one point, UFC, you would have, you know, you have, your, you have a couple coaches, you have a training camp, you come together, and you try to beat a guy like St. Pierre. And St. Pierre is one of the first guys who created, he, he created a dynasty, but he had this super team. Where he was like, and nobody had seen it before. He had no stones left unturned. And it's a lot like yourself where, and, and some other power lifters are catching up, but I think we see a difference here. With, in terms of you have your programming, but your programming isn't, isn't just, you're working off a template every week. You, you, you bump it up a little bit more in terms of the weights or, or whatever the shit. Your programming with the strength guys, you guys are, I, I saw... <laughs> yeah, I, I, listen, this is some insider stuff, but I'm, I'm not going to get into details, but I saw some of the spreadsheets, my friend, where they, they are like, what you're sleeping at, what your calories at, what your stress level's at, have you drank an alcohol in the last week, what's, fill this out, now we're going to make some decisions, what's your numbers at, they're like, it's like a scientific based, uh, they collect this data, it's just another level it's not. It, people think their coach is doing this. He's not doing this. She's not doing this. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. First, and that's just the programming. When you step up and then you have, so you have your nutrition and everything covered. You have like the RMTs and guys working on your body constantly. You have like all these specialists around you. And then when you come into, um, as well as your dad in terms of a mentor like that, let alone, and this is, and that's important. That's another common thing you find in sports. Get you a mentor like that because um, you need one. It's huge. It's huge, man. Every, if, if not your, your father who's going to, because your actual biological father shows up to meets like this, but a lot of people find a father figure who be, like Jordan and whatnot, who, who are there at every game, whatever it is, and it's huge. And then on top of that, when you guys roll up on game day, and I've had a lot of game day coaches, like, like the Matt Garys of the world. I've had a lot of them on the podcast, but the strength guys, they, like, they have a fucking dossier on everybody, and they know. I've talked, listen, I, Jason and Ben will tell me hours of research into these other individuals, so they know like what, what ranges, if they miss a third, the percentage of them missing their, the third squat, they miss a third dead, and, and um, you know, they, they know all the tipping ranges, and if you could bully them here, except like, they have so many game plans, that it's mm -hmm. not, it's not vibing it to feel. And if that's how, it, 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 from making weight to recovering from making weight, it's fucking on point. It's a science. It's not, we know this works, so we're going to do it. We know, like, everything. So when you show up, it's, it's so some next level shit. I don't think people understand, realize how, how much thought 
how much thought goes into all of it all around to like, are we traveling? Well, this is what I'm going to need from you, Taylor. And they're going to want like, what was your sleep at? What's your body weight at? What, how much water you intake um, to like, everything's pinpoint. Okay. How far are we? We 30 minutes out. This is what we need. Like everything's so crazy. And it's so, so I know you mean where there's stress levels, not just on yourself, but the whole team. But in terms of consistency, how you, you, you don't fumble the ball. You, you fucking, this is how dynasties are made where you keep consistently winning, winning these showdowns and, and, and putting forth. The effort is fucking phenomenal. And um, I'm not sure everybody's quite there yet where they understand or they even, they even have people in their, in their corner like the strength guys who know every fucking rule in terms of handling. You, you don't, you don't want to go toe-to-toe with these fellas if you're going to be hand, a handling job. Because if, if your guy... You could be so ready, and if your handler isn't ready, he's going to get bullied, and he's going to get played out, and you're going to make attempts you don't need to make, and then when it comes down to dead, you're like, fuck, that was the battle? Well, I'm, I'm winning off my second. I don't need my third, but here we go. And it becomes things like that. Well, I guess I'll YOLO my third because I don't really need it. And, um, and that can come down to, you know, there's so many variables that, like, we've talked about it, like, behind the doors being like, you know, I've said it on podcasts, though. Like, I've said, like, your, your team, it's, it's, they, they, they're so goddamn professional. I think to an extent, some of the younger people don't realize this and think, and I'm not saying just 74s. I'm talking generalities, where they think just the stronger guy wins, the stronger girl wins. I just got to get super strong. I just got to get super strong and show up. It's like, that's just a piece of it. That's just a piece of it. There's so much in terms of timing, and the timing is nutrition and weak, everything. Like, do, do you think, like, do you see that and you think it's just not there yet with some of these other guys and girls coming up? And, and w- when it gets there, maybe, all right, now we're talking. But w- what do you think the big difference is? First of all, that was a great summary. Well, <laughs> I, I thought about it. it. I thought about it. But <laughs> it's true, though. Uh, I think OGs know because OGs talk. And they're like, ah, there's some holes in these games, right? Yeah. Look, like... When you look at the OGs, the people that are truly respected in this powerlifting realm, uh, Matt, the Matt Garys of the world, and uh, like he has nothing but respect for the strength guys. So that's Jason, that's Ben, and that's the entire team. Um, and, and Jason is at the forefront. And he doesn't get enough credit, honestly, in my opinion, in the powerlifting world. Um, he's had some hiccups along the way, and so has every coach. Um, but in terms of innovation, this kid, kid, he is a kid, we're all kids, but he, uh, he is so creative, man. You talk about the vision that this kid has, it is absolutely insane. And again, he holds himself to a high standard just as I hold myself. And if he's not meeting that standard, I make sure he knows about it. If I'm not meeting that standard, he makes sure I know about it. So it's, it's this, we, we're here, we're, we're eye to eye. And there's, we've, it's taken some time to get to this point, 100%. We've had to fail, um, but we failed fast and we got on our feet and, and, and started to kind of get ourselves together and figure this thing out to be better. Um, so thank you for that summary that it, it, because there's so much complexity around powerlifting that a lot of people just want to make it very simple when 
there is time for simplicity. There's also time for complexity. And once you learn those complexities, that's the edge that we have. And if you're not willing to go into that complex nature and that shitstorm and understand it, then guess what? That's our competitive advantage. Mm. And it, it's, again, like there's so much potential with others in, in every weight class, but who's the one constantly coming out on top? You have to understand the recipe that they're making that forming at. Uh, again, the resume doesn't lie. Um, other, other coaches may have a ton of clients, but when you look at their track record, it's not very great. They're kind of just basing their business off of social media. And okay, that's great. Like, all more power to you, man. But we're going to whoop your ass, clean you, mop you up on the floor, and off come game day. And whether you want to hype yourself up in your head by, I have so many clients, we're going to be wiping your ass on game day when it comes to actually competing. And uh, that's, that's kind of where it's at. But yeah, I, I think that a lot of coaches miss the boat in terms of just a lot of complexities within the sport. And Jason has just done a great job of but because I think him and I, we're all like just we're yin and yang almost like we need each other because we're so opposite in at times, but then we just mesh so well together. Because I don't think we would be where we're at today had I not gained the strength that I've gained over the years. Like you look at every other weight class, there's no other weight class that has done what the 74s have done and what I have done and what the strength guys have done, and what Jason has done. And we don't get enough credit for it. And that's where like, I feel like the disrespect kind of comes into play because, again, we've paid our dues. We've gone above and beyond in this powerlifting game. Jason, the spreadsheets that he has, the analysis that he has, it's fucking insane. And when I look at it, and what the, the level that he holds the strength guys to and all the other coaches under the strength guys, it's it's just it's mind-boggling. I don't understand how he even does it, and it's it's just another level um, that I feel like we like you said. There's we're crunching numbers, and well, I'm not, but Jason and Ben are when I'm there, um, and I'm sure they're doing it when they're at Canadian Nationals or whatever other powerlifting meet there may be. We're crunching the numbers to make sure that our guy and or woman are placing as high as possible and that we're getting every kilo out of them on game day, and we're not going to settle for less. And there's been a lot of trial and error. Um, again, you, you just have to, you can't be afraid to fail. You just have to go out, figure it out, trial and error. Just If it didn't work, why? Go try something different. Mm -hmm. If it works, how do we make it better? It's just, there's, there's certain things, and, and I don't think that, there's enough coaches out there that are doing what we do and we don't give enough credit for it. So thank you for, uh, for bringing that up. Well, it is like, I think a lot of it is just out of ignorance that they don't, some people don't realize what goes into it at certain levels. And there is, you don't know until you sit down and talk to some of these guys, like, like Jason will show me. And it's like, holy shit, there are levels to this game. And, and, <laughs> and the, the amount of, of data they collect is 
is impossibly robust. I mean, he was showing me some of these. You know, that's why I like being in the position I'm in where I can reach out to people and ask questions because out of curiosity. And um, I was looking at some of his activity logs, and it was like, uh, how, how, many, how much alcohol have you drank? How much sleep have you got? What's your calories at? And then he's like, based off of that, I'm making make a decision on what you should be doing that day. And I'm like, Jason, based off of that, this fucking thing's going to retire me, first off. <laughs> that's, what, that's what your feedback would Your feedback would be, well, you're retired, Ryan. <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> based off of what I'm seeing. But uh, B, I remember seeing a meme I shared. It was like, what was it? Because this is what you're saying about, you know, initially you make wrong decisions and then you gain it. And, and the meme was something about um, how do you win? And it says, make the right decisions. And then it says, how do you make the right decisions? Experience. And then it goes, how do you gain experience? Make the wrong decisions. And that's, people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear. So when you first start out the gate and you're on that trajectory, we'll go back to that trajectory. There's a tra trajectory on the way up where you just want to have all, you don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to fumble the ball. So in a powerlifting sense, I don't want to bomb out. I don't want to have shitty meets where this thing go right, that thing go right. But guess what? You just, it's just not the way, that's not real. You're going to make mistakes, but you're going to get better because you're not going to make the mistake again. And you're going to gain that experience. And hopefully you collect the data and be like, why did that happen? And then you get more, better and better until whatever, you turn into Taylor Atwood. And I mean, that's not going to fucking happen with everybody, obviously. It's simplistic, but right. you turn into your, your best you. We'll put it that way. Mm. But, mm. Um, but the only way to do that is if you take it seriously and actually collect that and learn from it. Otherwise, it's weird, though. You need a mind like Jason who like works with um, the Calgary Flames and the NHL, like professional sports friend. Like This is no Mickey Mouse. This is the right. NHL, for God's sake. This is a multi-million dollar franchise who's taking this kid in and be like, you're a, a strength and conditioning guy for us now. And mm -hmm. they, they have millions of dollars. Look at their salary cap under in terms of responsibility. But they, he has to make a presentation to them with this is how I collect data and this is, this is what I do with my data collection and, and this is my protocols in doing so and checks and balances and this is how I make my decisions based off of science and data collected with the samples. And here's what my programming will look like. Like I, I saw just some of his presentation at the whole damn thing, but it's like, who the fuck does this for powerlifting? Well, Jason does. <laughs> Jason, but, ja but Jason yeah. does. Is, is, is what, so that's why when you show up to a competition, if you're hoping Taylor has a bad day, oh, fuck, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough though, isn't it? If that's what you need, if you're showing up, I've been, we've all been there where we're like, I think I could win if this guy misses a few lifts. It's like, but that's really tough if you're going against that because they're going to yeah, pull all stops. Again, like, I love how, oh, if I do this, then Taylor's going to have to do this and he may miss a lift. It's like, dude, there's levels to this shit and you're not even you're close, not, dude. You're not getting pulled off your gameplay very easily. Like, they, they, uh, the competition, they're very strong, but again, there's levels to this, and they'll get there, maybe, one day, um, and it's, it, 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 they're going to have to learn the hard way. Um, that's the only way to learn, and uh, CA, he, he lost two now, bombed two meets, uh, almost, and He'll learn. He'll get better. 
Um, I bombed in, in the 2015 Arnold, and I vowed on that day I would never miss another uh, squat. I haven't missed another squat since oh, that Arnold. Really? No kidding. I didn't know I, that was a stat. I, I vowed to myself I would not miss another squat on competition day, and oh. I haven't. Look at my, you can pull up my USAPL database right now, and you'll look at my past meets. I haven't missed a squat since 2015 on it. Oh, damn. So it, there's, there's certain things, and, and again, I think me losing at 2015 Arnold, 2016 Worlds, 2017 Worlds, like it just built me up to where I'm at today. It gave it lit a new fire under me. I'm sure Mike has, Michael has a fire, fire lit under him, and um, Austin, he's got his fire lit under him. Cho has his fire. So... I love it. it. It just keeps my fire going because I know that they're coming. Um, but again, like I wasn't a hundred percent at nationals. Um, I still hit a seven eighty-seven and a half total, which was three kilos less than what I totaled at Worlds. Injured. <laughs> I don't think they understand I was injured still, and it's just. If I'm 100% healthy, I said it on SPB's website, I don't think anyone can beat me. And that's just real. Like I, there's no one right now that I feel can beat me. And I'm, I think that I can, I'm the best in the world. That's not just my weight class. That's IPF points. That's Wilkes. Um, we're just, we found the formula. We're making it work. We're changing it where it needs to be changed. And... When we're healthy, it's going to be tough to beat us. Who do you think, when you look at these other 74s, because um, obviously you're at the top of the podium, but how do you, how do you rank these guys when you look at them? Because it it's, it's difficult, man. Like, like Michael, mm -hmm. Michael C's got a world of potential, but he hasn't, he hasn't hit the podium in his last couple comps. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a little deceiving to just, well, let's just look at the past. Let's look at the past podiums. But there is, there is the potential. Like, what if he pulls it together? So, so I, I'm just saying that because I don't want to discount Michael C. If we just looked at the past, right? Mm -hmm. You can't look past him. Then, obviously, Austin, phenomenal. Cho is hitting some crazy numbers, and his bench is going up to close to just a shade under 400, and his squat and his dead are really high. Um, and, and Austin is a, a phenomenal fucking lifter and the kids, I think he's only 21. So yeah, he's fucking it's crazy. And he's, and he's, he's got pizzazz. He's got, you know, yeah. um, he's, he's got, he's, he's got swag. I like him. I, I love, I'm, I'm an Austin fan, but like, I'm a fan of all these cats. So how do you, how do you, do you, can you rank these guys? Do you think in terms of two, three, four? Or yeah. Yeah. I, I have my, I have my top four. So. Again, I would 100% place me number one. Like I, and that's just track record, my team. Um, I, I just think that we're still number one. But number two, that's, that's going to be a tight race. Uh, personally, I think that Austin, uh, just the way that he's been able to perform and the way that he's been able to progress, I think that he could, right now, he's edging out Michael for number two. Um, just in terms of execution, I think Michael, he could 100% uh, get that number two spot, but he has to 
put that meet together. And again, I don't know what his third deadlift will look like. Um, I don't know if he'll be able to last the whole meet, and that's been his track record even before getting injured or whatnot. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that if Austin is able to put together his meet, nine for nine, I think he comes out number two. I think CA comes out number three and show number four. Um, and I'm not putting Cho, I, I, again, like I have no ill will towards Cho. Uh, I understand what he's doing. He has to build his brand. This is how he's doing it. I got it. Um, you got to come for the king. Heavy, heavy is the head that the crown is on. Uh, so I get it. But I think in terms of progress, I, he's made a ton, at least from what I've seen in uh, recent videos that people always fucking tag me in. You're like, guys, I, I follow him. It's good. I get it. I got a stage five, I got a stage five clinger, Ryan. Yeah. I got a stage it's, five clinger, dude. It's, it's funny how um, people in the comments tag you, and you're like, fellas, yeah, I, I'm, I follow him. I got it. You don't have to tag me in the comments like 10 times. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I don't follow him. Oh, really? Okay. There's just too much shit around that now. I don't even yeah. follow Michael anymore. Really, I only... Like somewhat see what Austin does because he's cool. Uh, and all right, they're all cool. Mm -hmm. But Austin is like cool in the sense that he's so animated when he's working out. Yeah, no, um, yeah, he's, he's hype. He is. Like, yeah, yeah, I got something from it too. I know what you mean, and I know. I, look, it. I know what you mean where when you got to compete against guys, sometimes you don't need to see too much of it. You just need to do your own thing, stay in your lane, because your coaches are gonna analyze that shit. Like, exactly. Like, so it's like. It's not even a, a like a, it's dis I don't even follow him like a disrespect. It's more I don't want to overanalyze nothing. You do your thing, young king. I'll see you there. It is what it is. But I also know what you mean. We're Austin. Some guys you follow because um they're fucking got some pizzazz to them. They got some yeah, high energy. Like, like oh damn. Like uh, Austin, I think he's the right now. He has the most genuine heart. In terms of he's so young, he's almost like, I don't even, he has the mindset of he doesn't even know he's not supposed to be here. Does that make sense? Like when a rookie comes into any type of sport and they have a great year, it's like they're playing out of their minds. What's going on? They don't even, you talk about, oh, well, they don't even know they're not supposed to be here. Yeah, you where, you're, I mean? you're, where you're like, do you realize at 20 you shouldn't be doing what you're doing? This is insane. Yes, do you realize yes. at 20... Um, this is, do you even understand how nuts what you're doing is like 20 years old? That's insane. When you were, when yeah. like, you're thinking, you're looking at him like when I was 20 kid and, um, and he's just loving life, riding that wave of, of positivity where it's like, well, he, good for you. So he, uh, what I think he has the upper hand on everyone on is he started young, right? I was lifting weights, but I wasn't powerlifting. I was lifting weights to lift weights for football. So who knows if I could have done what he did at his age? I don't know. Fair. And given given the the amount of research now in powerlifting and coaching and programming, he's got the upper hand, I think, on everyone. As long so, as he uses it, as long as he, I have no idea what he's doing. But yeah, what you guys are doing in your camp, if that becomes the the norm for everybody, which I I, I swear to God they should. But I think you said, like you said before, some people, not just 74s, but period, are just going to be too lazy and non-ambitious yeah. in terms of doing it. it. it and I, 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 we'll get 
uh, flack from this uh, episode on, oh, they're doing too much data analysis. It's like, uh, motherfucker, you're not doing enough. <laughs> and you, you may think, like, there's so many young coaches now, they're so egotistical that they won't even check themselves um, in terms of, like, I just know better. I, my way is better. Well, who's your guy? Like, you're getting these young cats that have zero, like, you're taking them from zero to a hundred, but the, the threshold is not there in terms of I'm at the top of the game and I'm still making progress. I shouldn't be making <laughs> the same progress. I, like, I put on 40, 32 kilos in a year. At that level, it's not supposed to be happening. So we found a formula that works. We're doing it and implementing it with others. They're not obviously not going to get the same result as I do because I'm just built differently, genetically more gifted. Um, but you're still going to see results. And uh, I think that once people really truly start to see, I mean, powerlifting, raw powerlifting is still young. And um, there's so much good research still coming out and trial and error. And the more and more people uh, that come into the sport, the bigger the pool is, the more talent that'll start to come out in terms of if they have bigger meets, I'm sure that the money will start to entice more people to not do other sports. They want to do powerlifting now. So there's going to be, like, I think this wave, like, I don't think that my world records are going to stand for decades um, because it's just, I think, the genetically gifted guys are just going to come in and destroy these numbers. Um, but again, there's no one that right now currently doing what we're doing, uh, for Taylor Allen at least. I'm 31 years old. There's other 31-year-olds in the USAPL. Are there any, is there anyone doing what I'm doing? There's older, there's younger. Is anyone else doing what we're doing? So our formula is working. It has been working. And we're going to stick with it. And I have to continuously tell people this because I feel like they're just, uh, they try to knock us down as much as possible. And that happens when you're constantly winning. But the facts are the facts. And I think that our programming is superior to others. And the way that we conduct ourselves on the platform and in a competition is bar none. There's no one on our level, no one. And whether you think you are, you better think twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if you're checking these boxes, you, well, here it is. I mean, I think there's. Listen, I'm not shitting on anyone else because I think that like the strength athlete, those coaches are phenomenal. I think Joey does a great job. Um, there's other people out there that are certainly very good at what they do on game day. But the strength guys, like, I just think that we're <laughs> shit. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> but I'm biased. And... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but, but it is it is more like the dedication level. Yeah, I mean, other coaches do the thing, but it's also it's not just the coaches, the athletes themselves, who how serious do they take it and how forthright are they with the data when they're communicating with the coaches, et cetera. It's not just the coaches. You can have, a, I mean, you can have the best coach in the world, but... If you're not sleeping right, eating right, doing your thing too, or you take some time off here and there, 
I'm so glad you brought that up. Just, I don't mean to cut you off. Go but, um, when I commented on Michael when he bombed at uh, the Arnold uh, on bench, I told him that he had to let his ego go away, right? Because I, I, I can empathize with him because I bombed at the Arnold. And I went into the Arnold thinking that I wanted to destroy the competition. Like at the time, it was Josh Hancock. And I wanted to, we wanted to just lay our mark on him. Like let him know that we were coming and we were here to stay. And we opened up too heavy. And even though the warm-ups felt okay, they still didn't feel great how a warm-up should be feeling. But I had the mentality of whatever you put on the bar, I'm going to go and do. I've done this weight numerous times in, um, in training. I've squatted a shit ton more in training. So I'm ready for this. But when I got on the platform, it just wasn't there, and I bombed. So when I talked, when I wrote that on the King of the List um, Instagram page that you need to let your ego go, it, it truly is. Because regardless of if you've done the weight before, it doesn't. I don't give a shit what you've done in past meets or what you've done in training. How are you feeling right then and there? If you have to put 100 kilos on the bar but you can bench 200, I don't give a shit. It's whatever you can do on the day of competition. And you have to let your ego go. And that's the only thing I meant by that. I, I, and again, I'm trying to mentor these guys and teach these guys. And whether or not they want to take it or not is on them. But that's the mentality you have to have is what's the difference if you opened up five kilos more and it was a fucking grinder but you still got it and it counted <laughs> and now you missed your second and third attempt. You're still in the fucking meat. doesn't matter, but you have to take what you can on the day. So that was the only thing I, I truly wanted to like just clear with Michael. Cause I haven't had, I, I messaged him on Instagram. I don't think he, he accepted it very well, but, and even his camp, his camp hates me, but it's, it's just, I, I, I could empathize with him on that day. I was it truly sucked because he had a great squat. I was looking forward to what he could put up uh, um, because he has, he does, he has so much potential, um, but he hasn't realized it yet. So, but like when you say um, other guys, uh, yeah, yeah that, I'm just gonna leave it at that. that I just wanted to to kind of get that clear yeah, the air there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. Where like, it's okay to make mistakes, man. Everybody makes mistakes. It is, it, it's exactly like that quote where experience is just a collection of making the wrong decision, and then that's when later on you start making the right decision. And it's not, it's not a knock. It's fucking life. And sometimes people just want to speed past that rough patches. You can't, you can't ask. You sit down with Taylor Atwood. You sit down with whoever the shit who's made it to the top. And they'll be like, yeah, I got some, I had some rough times, man. I, I, I bombed, I went to Worlds and, and, and come in second, came back, and then same with Jordan, man, when he had the Detroit, everyone's got a Detroit Pistons team in their fucking life. And they're like, <laughs> and they're like I hate these guys, I got to beat these guys. And then yeah. eventually you can make it through, but it's just, you know, collecting, collecting data, and be like, all right, all right, I'll, I'm going to make some adjustments. 
And um, and that's it. And he's look, Michael C is a young dude. All these dudes are young dudes. Um, so I'm sure they got plenty yeah, of that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so eventually, if if somebody eventually does beat Taylor Atwood, do you think, with how you feel about it, would you? Would you want, or, or okay? Do you would you do you see yourself leaving like Jordan and Saint Pierre? Both of them left as champ and just never came back eventually. Or if someone came back and and do you stick around until someone beats you? And you're like, look, I'm gonna ride this until someone takes it. But then if they take it, it might reignite the fire. Where you're like, okay, thank you. Now it's on because I've been I've been dragging my feet a little <laughs> uninspired. It's tough to get because you said you know like you said it's starting to feel like. Um, I'm a relief. I just don't want to lose, but winning isn't really the flavor right now. And and if you actually took an L, because you know it's kind of like whatever. If you actually took an L and came back, it would be about winning all over again. It would be about it's different. So how do you feel about those scenarios? Like what do you see for it riding out? That's a good question, man. Um... I try not to look too far down the road, but I obviously like to plan. And my dad has always taught me, fail to plan, plan to fail. Um, but you should—you don't have to necessarily stay to the plan, but certainly have at least a vision as to what you want to do. So I think for the short term, uh, now that I have my MBA, or um, in my MBA program, I, uh, I want to give that 110% of my of my effort at least and time um and with the pandemic it's i can do it now because i'm working from home i'm not again traveling there's time that i've been able to get back so i'm still able to give powerlifting 110 percent of my time now come the, the fall when we're actually potentially back in work and i actually have to go into school i'm not online because right now all my classes are done on Zoom, um, I don't know what the future is going to hold. And that's being serious. I, I really don't. Uh, nationals may be the last meet that I do for the next two years, or it may not. I don't, I don't know, because I, I haven't had to change my schedule too much um, for powerlifting. Because, again, uh, like this... I've been at the top for six years in the U.S. I've been at the top now for at least a year in terms of the IPF. I've been at the top for two years in the 74s. So, like, my resume, again, it's it's pretty complete, in my opinion. Um, Now it's just bragging rights at this point. It's like... And then I don't know what's going to happen with the SDB Invitational with with uh, Sheffield next year. I 100% still want to do that, um, and I'm obligated to SDB. I'm under contract with them, so I want to make sure I'm fulfilling the needs that they need. Uh, and I so I don't know, I'm, Ryan. I I I don't know. Um, I know for at least short term, and short term meaning nationals potentially sheffield i'll probably still be competing but again i don't know to what level after nationals because the pandemic we're still i think until at least august we'll be able to work from home 
and uh, my schedule won't be too crazy. But in the fall, when we actually have to go back into work and I have to go into school on the weekends, have to meet up with my class and so on and so forth, I don't know how much time I'm going to have. And again, I don't want to lose to someone because I wasn't able to give it 110%. And I would hope that my competition would expect the same. Like, why would you want an 80% Taylor versus the guy that was a savage at World in 2019? Mm, Like, if I want to beat the guy, I want to beat the guy. I don't want to just potentially win by split decision. I want to knock his ass out. It, it's like, um, well, first of all, if you, if you do leave for a couple year hiatus and then come back, I want to see a post and you're wearing a Michael Jordan 45 jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and the caption, the caption is that Jay-Z back like Jordan wearing that 4-5. <laughs> that's, that's, that's when the comeback gets announced. I'm back. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I... Look at I remember uh, I'm reading Customato and Mike Tyson book right now, and Customato would tell Tyson he's like, listen, when you go in there with this guy, you don't carry him, you don't hold back, you don't. I want you to send a. It's not just this guy you're fighting. You got to send a message to everybody watching. You know, you got to make them afraid. And if you're not willing to do that, then you don't get up in that ring. And if you're not checking all the boxes, like Tyson when he, when Damato was still alive, Tyson didn't drink, didn't have a girlfriend, did nothing. He just eat. Sleep, breathe, boxing. He stayed up mm-hmm. all night watching fights from like 1910, old black and white footage, watching the old greats. He was so encompassed with it. And D'Amato said, he's like, because that's what I expect from you. You, you need to, you, when you go in there, there's a standard and you don't just win. You, you, you ravage these guys so that your legacy carries on. After you're done and retired, people talk about you. And if you're not willing to do that, you pack it up. Now, D'Amato died, and then later on in life, whatever happens with Tyson happens with Tyson, but it's that mentality where it's like, if you're not that, then don't climb in that ring. Don't, don't put on those gloves. Don't, because everyone's watching, and you want people to, to feel that impact. And, it, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I, well, well, here's another thing, too. You had said, down the road, if people come into the sport, like let's say it becomes an Olympic sport, and some freak athletes who would ordinarily go into different sports, start infiltrating powerlifting, you're like, man, they're going to lift more than me, whatever. Maybe, but nobody can, nobody can change history or what you brought to the sport at the time. So nobody yeah. can ever rewrite history and all the titles you won. And they also, you were one of the guys, and there's other teams too, but you were one of the guys who at least preached it and pushed it to the forefront, letting people know here is a standard that I feel powerlifters need to get on to be like professional athletes that other people are doing in other sports. And your coaches work for other professional sports teams doing it. So you got a bit of, you know, you're on that forefront. And if nothing else, in terms of a legacy piece bringing to powerlifting, is preaching this stuff, which isn't necessarily just braggadocious, but it is to a level of, look, at when I leave, and you've said this several times in this podcast, when I leave, though, when I'm gone, though, I hope the next guys aren't fucking vibing it and winging it at powerlifting meets handling and aren't just, I, I would hope that when I leave top five or all, this is the boxes. This is, this is the standard now. We're like pro sports. When people in other sports come and ask our coaches what they're doing, they're going to be like, holy shit. All right. We take it seriously. It gives, it makes powerlifting not look Mickey Mouse. It makes powerlifting look good. So that, and when these other sports see these coaches and they're like, can you do that for us? 
There's no better compliment. There's no right. better how much credibility does it give powerlifting. And you had said that a couple of times on the podcast where it's like, if nothing else, man, if I'm going to pass the torch and be like, I'm all right with, look, at if I help bring that level and I preach that, and, and if someone comes along younger and eventually he's going to take it, please be that. Please, right. please, please carry the standard where we're, we're as a sport we look good. Austin, uh, and this is why I love him, man, like, and when I say genuine, he's truly a sponge right now. He's trying to just soak up everything that he possibly can. And when I, uh, when I spoke on one of the SPD videos, when they came in and kind of did a little video about me, I said, if I go nine for nine, no one's going to beat me. And that's the standard that I'm holding myself to. And then Austin starts saying, he's like, if I go nine for nine, no one's going to beat me either. So, like, just mustard seed. You know that, you know, do you know that analogy? No, the tell me, seed. tell me, tell me, no, tell me. So the mustard seed is, is the small, one of the smallest seeds in the world in terms of trees. But a mustard tree is actually one of the biggest trees in the world. So it's, the, it's like this big, the seed, but then grow to be one of the biggest. So the mustard seed, I just planted the mustard seed where it just spreads out and, and becomes a lot bigger than me. And that's, that's what I want. I want to make sure that my legacy is left in terms of a standard. That Taylor Atwood left a certain standard for other powerlifters. And that's what I want uh, my legacy to be. And that's what I've practiced over six years. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the, the best path. You look at my, my I lost, you know, but now um, I won. I'm at the top in terms of IPF, and I think that a certain standard needs to be held. And, and I want powerlifting to have a better name than uh, people going into a local gym and people like other powerlifters are leaving the gym all chalked up and slamming weights and screaming at each other and giving powerlifters a bad name and that's not what i want i think there's a time and place for everything do that in like a, a in another area like a, a closed gym um, but when you're out and about and you're in another person like respect have respect for the weight have respect for the area have respect for others around you that's what i think powerlifting needs to be and it's on another level in terms of energy, in terms of maturity, um, because when you get a guy or a woman that is very strong at a young age, they can kind of have maybe a bit of an egotistical tendency um, and, and until they get put on their ass in certain areas, like Conor McGregor, when he uh, lost to Nate Diaz, he had a tail under his legs, yeah. uh, wasn't talking too much shit after. Um, it takes certain things like that to kind of humble people. Um, and again, I think Connor, the one of the best marketers in the game. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. So his, I, I, I get what people are trying to do, but I don't have to necessarily agree with it. Um, and I think that there's certain areas other than just marketing that people should potentially be better at in their life if they truly want to feel um 
like a, they have a purpose. I had to do a value hierarchy in one of my leadership classes for the MBA. And I had to, like, what are some of the, what's the number one thing in my life that I value the most? And it's fulfillment. And there's certain things underneath that hierarchy that give me that fulfillment. But I want to make sure that whatever I'm doing, I have a certain concrete base to make sure that I'm doing the necessary things to get fulfillment. And I think that's how, uh, even just life in general, that's how you kind of just become a better person. And that's, that's what I want to hopefully instill in others, other powerlifters, not just the 74s, everyone. Um, I want to hold that certain standard. The Taylor Atwood brand, that's the standard I want to hold it to. It's kind of like when people say, um, when you say to people, and, and that's why it's good to have like a, a format where we can talk and expand on things. But when you say, look, look, you haven't earned the right necessarily carry yourself this way. I understand what you're doing. You're on the come up, and I probably would too. But you'll know later on you haven't earned the right yet. And when people mm-hmm. say like, well, not everybody's going to win and be Taylor Atwood. But then when they listen to this, they'll be like, well, I'm not necessarily saying like when I say that, I'm not saying you have to win worlds to talk to this necessarily, but it's more um, you're not check, you're not doing everything I'm doing and checking all these boxes and hustling as hard as I'm hustling, and then you could be like, all right, man, I'm 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 here, I'm coming. You know, it's it's a different type of standard where it's like if you talk, but it's it's not all there behind it. And this isn't singling any one person, but just as a generational thing. I do yeah. think there are a lot of people on social media, and this isn't like I, I, I swear, man, I, as King of Lists, this isn't just 74, as I see with a lot of people who try to get a little hype going or whatever, but it's like you may or may not be doing everything you can be doing. Like the social media aspect is great, but, and, and you know, like, look, I'm, I'm a big proponent that'll push that too, to an extent, not when it gets personal, but just the sporting aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But, but some people might be a little ignorant to everything else going on behind it. So then if a guy doesn't think like yourself, doesn't think you're quite doing everything and doesn't quite take you seriously, so he's like, I might not respond because with all due respect, man, I don't feel like you're doing everything that you could be doing and I just don't respect where you're coming from, so I don't take it as seriously as you take it. You're not, I'm not taking it as seriously as you're pretending. But mm-hmm. th- if they don't understand, if you just say something like that, they might be like, well, that's arrogant, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, yeah, but, but you're like, but you don't, know, you don't understand everything I'm doing. You don't understand, so it's like, it's, it's you know, and if it comes a day where if someone comes along and, and beat Taylor and they're like, all right, you pass the torch, it's a lot easier to digest to be like, fuck it, man, I know this, I, I seen what this dude's been doing, I know everything he's put in. If he, if he does, we're filling out those goddamn spreadsheets where he, his, his diet was on check, didn't drink for four months leading into it, checked his sleep every goddamn night, Every single set rep range was put into the spreadsheets and they analyzed it form on point. The video analysis that like the strength guys do in terms of watching bar path and everything and the whole nine, they did everything, came in there on point, had the nine for nine day and then you're like, well, fuck me. That's a little easier to digest. And you know what? If that dude wants to be cocky afterwards, you know, you see it in MMA boxing, you're like, they're like, once it's over, it's over. Hats off to you, young man. You know, it's uh-huh. easy, that's easier to swallow. All right. Cool. That it's, it is a little different, right? So I know what you mean where um, and you see it in other sports as well. I could digest that. It's it's a natural process. It, it yeah. happens in life, period. It happens in life, period. 
And and look, it's not like I'm getting ready for that day because I don't think it's going to happen. But no, but down the road, <laughs> down the, hypothetically down the road, down the road yeah, yeah. hypothetically, if, if we're talking hypothetically, here, right? Uh, Twenty five yeah, years from it, it's it's an easier pill to swallow for sure because I know that. Uh, and look, it, it, Michael, Austin, Ricky, they they're all training their fucking asses off, yeah. I, and I know that. Um, but I guarantee you, you're not doing what I'm doing. Your team isn't as experienced. They're not as dedicated as us. Um, and that's no shade to their team at all. None. It's just facts. Um, there's just certain things that we do that I think no one else is doing. And it's I think the record speaks for itself. Uh, we don't make the same mistake twice. Uh, <laughs> a lot of coaches can't say that. So, yeah, it, it's it's just a fact. It's it's no shade to anyone because I respect every all their coaches. I just think that mistakes are made and some learn, some don't. We've learned, and again, we're not perfect. We've made mistakes 100 um, percent, but we've 100 percent learned from them. And we haven't made them twice. And we're continuing on that path, and we're going to continue on that path. So, It's like they say, where making a mistake is understandable. Making the same mistake twice should be unacceptable. Right? Yeah. Where it's like, like there's, there, there should be, you know, in terms of, um, and, and, and not just literally like, like, you could bomb twice in a row, but there could be two different mistakes there. So it's not necessarily you made the same mistake twice, but that's, it's okay. But just learn from it. What happened the first time? What happened the second time? What happened? You know, just keep collecting data. It's going to help. And uh, another thing you had said um, as well when, um, oh, oh, in terms of Austin's, when he was 20. And you're like, look, when I was 20, I didn't have the same infrastructure that Austin's walking into. And it's true where you came first. So you have to lay down, like, people who come after you, and this happens in every sport as well, have the benefit of, of like, someone who's 13 can walk in not just with the strength guys, but any coaching staff that might be do, being like, hey, fuck, we need to start doing this, that, and the other as well, like the strength guys, if they're not already. I'm sure there are guys who are as well. But um, when they're 13 and they walk into that, that wasn't the way it was when you were that age. So you're, it's about the experience where when you leave, you can look back and be like, well, we, we help raise a standard. So yes, eventually 20-year-olds are going to be doing things I was doing at 30. But I didn't walk into that at 20. I didn't have that benefit. You know, um, right. people are going to walk into great scenarios as long as, you know, the sport's going to keep progressing and be like, let's investigate. What are these guys doing? They're winning a lot. What are they doing? Let's take a look. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it's just going to get harder. And, and look, I don't think the strength guy shit doesn't stink. Uh, but I think that... Um, We've certainly set a certain standard for ourselves, for the powerlifting uh, community, and um, and again, not taking away from anyone else, I think Matt Gary is a pioneer in itself, because we've modeled some of our values after him. Um, and, and we're constantly just learning and, and trying new things. So again, we're, we're not certainly far from the old standard, but when it comes to, like, a certain standard, strength guys, we're there. We're there. And, and we're constantly re-innovating ourselves, coming up with new innovative ways to look at data, to look at 
performance, to look at competition, past competition, being more accurate with forecasting others' totals, how much strength can they truly put on in a, a macro cycle um, within a certain block. So there's, there's, I, I don't think people from that aspect understand where the strength drivers come from because we're forecasting pretty fucking accurately right now. So um, we like our competitive advantage. We like the data that we're putting together. And um, I think that when it matters the most, if it comes down to uh, the last list, nine for nine for the championship, I don't want anyone else in my corner but Jason Bunn. It's 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 funny because yeah, like there's there's a lot of other amazing coaches out there, Mike T, Bryce, uh, Eric Helms, and the strength guys I know for a fact actually work with them as well on several projects. Yeah, because, yeah. And that's another thing that it is where you got to keep being humble, reach out and be like, "What are you guys doing? What do you think about this?" And having these kind of sessions where you're like, they hop on calls and discuss things and um, and just keep expanding because you'll never know it all. And once you tell yourself, "We got it all down." Ah, that's when these young lions are like, ah, you left something unturned. Um, so when you say we, when, because I know you have a career outside of powerlifting, when it is done, though, when, when, when Taylor's done as an athlete, so to speak, do you see yourself, do you want to be involved on a level, I don't think, like, maybe not coaching full-on, taking athletes, but do you still want to be associated with strength guys jumping in here and there for whatever it is, if it's like a webinar, talking to young guys, or... You know, oh, yeah. Certain levels, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. In terms of mentorship, uh, anyone can reach out to me and ask me questions. And um, webinars, I, I, I love love teaching um, because I, I'm I'm a, I'm an academia. I like academics. Um, I like learning. The more you, you can never take that away from a human. Uh, what they've learned and what they've oh, Hold on one second. Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. Right? Um, I, yeah, I'm 100% ready to to help in any way, shape, or form after powerlifting. Uh, I I'm, I'm, I help Jason with certain things, questions, business. Um, so yeah, there's there's numerous ways that I want to still have my hand in the pot, and I, I still want to be an influential figure in the sport itself. Um, so I, again, I I don't necessarily want to start a business around powerlifting because I like I have just a I have a different mind I want to do with life, but. Um, it's, I've always thought about something just keeping my hand within powerlifting itself and making sure that others are upholding a certain standard. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's something good also giving back when you've, you've reached, especially when you have a, a level of credibility like you've put together and you could help like this thing keep growing. Because like, the more respect powerlifting gets, the more respect all of us get when we walk in there and we say we're powerlifters. It doesn't feel you know, like the lower leagues, the minor leagues, bush league, in terms of the way we approach the sport. And it isn't. I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of people putting in a lot of work to, to push this forward. Um, so, yeah, I totally get you. Listen, man, we're rolling up on two hours here. I appreciate your time. Oh, shit. Yeah. Hey, man, 
time flies when, when you have a <laughs> But uh, I appreciate you hopping on here, man. Um, obviously, we, we God knows when the next time there's going to be a competition. May or may not be. Like, I know nationals right now is scheduled, but who the fuck knows in this day and age? Yeah. And it's always a pleasure. It's always a pleasure. I, I again, I have nothing but respect for you, Ryan. What you're doing for powerlifting, um, hyping things up, like I'm all for it, honestly. Um, and I, I, again, I appreciate you being somewhat of a voice. You, you're, you're the voice for powerlifting right now, in my opinion. Thank you, sir. Uh, so I appreciate you uh, keeping it going. Thank and you, having sir. Me up. Much appreciated. Love the kind words, man. It means a lot. Uh, we'll keep in touch, man. We'll talk soon. Good luck yes, with everything. See you, buddy. Have a good one, man. See ya. Bam. Taylor Atwood, obviously the 74-kilo kingpin right now and um, running a bit of a dynasty there. But there you have it. I'm glad we had him on because he had an opportunity to address, uh, you know, a lot of the things going on in the 74-kilo class. And we did get, I opened it up for questions for people, and um, I think I covered damn near all of them, except we got a shitload of questions about my man's hair. Like, for real, what's his conditioner? How many days a week? What kind of product? Dog, <laughs> I'm not turning this into a 20-minute segment. Uh, beauty tips, man, it's a powerlifter podcast. But, uh, but yeah, beyond that, um, I'm glad he came on here because I know... He says certain things, and, and if it comes off in a, in a text, um, you might not totally, it's not an ability to expand on it. And when you have the ability to have a conversation and expand on a few things, then you, he could explain a little better. And even if you don't fully 100% agree, or you might even tell yourself, um, you know, I, I, I am doing the things you say you're doing. Maybe, maybe not, but at least you hear what he means when he says it. At least you hear he's, he's trying to articulate and say, look, it, I'm not coming from a, a place of disrespect, um, but here is how I feel about this. Here is when I put this amount in it and it's dominating my life and, um, you know, I'm getting a little bit, you know, it becomes a lot year after year after year and starts feeling like uh, no longer a joy of victory, but just try not to lose because it's expected you win. It's different. Things are different. And when it encompasses your life to the extent of like the amount that they put in um, for Taylor to continue to win like this, it starts becoming, it's, it starts getting a little tough. So when you take shots, um, he might shoot back a certain way. And, then, and hopefully when he came on here, now you might understand where he's coming from. And, um, and honestly, look, there are other coaches out there in coaching services. I'm sure they fucking have tons of charts and whatnot as well. Um, you know, I know there, there's, for sure, there's some A-class coaching out there. But uh, it all depends, too, in terms of what athletes are doing it and what athletes are applying it to the fullest all year round, et cetera, and, and how they're taking it. And um, I think if, if Taylor's going to eventually lose, and eventually everybody, no dynasty can last forever, um, sure, he could retire before he loses, like GSP, Jordan, you know, some of these guys are talking about. But if he doesn't, and, and it actually happens in-game. Um, someone takes the crown. It's going to be somebody who, who has checked all those boxes, I'm pretty sure. Or you would hope anyways. You would hope anyways. Because it, 
it actually hurts a little bit if someone's not and they get to the top and um, it's not quite the same message, is it? When, when, when they're not quite as all in. Uh, but anyways, it's a good podcast. I'm glad my mans came on here. And uh, hopefully, you know, we have the Raw Nationals. Right now, it's kind of all up in the air. And we all don't know how excited we should be for potential showdowns. So I didn't really want to hype up Raw Nationals because honestly, we're way too far out. But we shall see when Raw Nationals rolls around again. If it's a go, oh shit. Michael C., Austin Perkins, Ricky Cho, and they've been, man, Ricky's been killing it in training. All of them been killing it in training. You know, and you know Taylor, if he, if he signs up, if he signs up, he decides I'm doing it, you know how all in he's going to be. He's not going to be at one foot in the door, one foot out. If he decides I'm in, he is all in. And the rest of the, there's a lot of 74s out there. You know, the, the other 74s who are just beneath the top four, some of these dudes are going to break in. You can have some breakthrough performances and some of these guys hit the podium as well. It is a shark tank, the U.S. 74 kilo division. So we'll see how close uh, people start getting if they start bridging that gap. You know, I mean, th- these guys are young and, and making some fast progress. I think it's going to be interesting to see. So we'll wait until we get a little closer to Raw Nats and then uh, we'll, do, we'll do start crunching and the data and analyzing, do a preview show. So there you go. Until next time, six-pack rapid at. Please do subscribe.